Good morning, Kale. It's Mom, and I just want to know why you want to know all this stuff. So, Dad, uh, apparently you have a half-brother. You want to know what part of my research is challenging? Tracing my family's names through the Atlantic slave trade. Family tree is just a bunch of names and dates. Welcome to the Maple Family Treehouse. I'm your host, Kale, broadcasting from within the great circle of lakes that fall under the dish with one spoon wampum treaty, an agreement to peacefully share and care for the resources around the Great Lakes. The Ojibwa, Ottawa, Potawatomi make up the Three Fires Confederacy who shared and continue to share this land. Keep the peace, sharing, and caring going for as long as our rivers flow, the sun shines, and the grass grows, as promised. In this podcast, I'm researching my family history, and in the process, learning a thing or two about Canada, the process of reconciliation, and my role as a white guy who needs to do anti-racist work. I would love for you to come along as I climb my family tree. This sixth episode is a call out to listeners. I want to hear from people who have thoughts on the limits of traditional online platforms for building trees and what solutions there are or your thoughts on what the future holds for how we represent our family connections and stories. Since starting this podcast, The Maple Family Treehouse, I have begun to wonder how my life will look in a future family tree. Will I be reflected adequately in a string of government documents? I don't think so. How can we change the binary tree branches of the current online tools used for doing genealogical research? Could an online family tree ever have the flexibility to capture parents who are transgender in all of the shapes and forms that can take? I've spent a fair bit of time working on a few online genealogical platforms. And what I found is that trees and documents that are used to connect our tree branches are limited. And recent introductions of DNA into family trees only seems to have exacerbated the focus on the binary nature of family tree branches. Some of the first feedback I received about this podcast was a person who thanked me for including my uncle Fred in an episode. Fred never married or had children, and it made me think, yeah, in traditional family trees, you really don't get to recognize extended family members like my uncle and the influence that he's had on me. I like feedback like this, and I want to hear from people who are thinking about these same issues or have experiences that might help other people adjust how they construct their family trees. Our created families, connections, identities, and supports 
need to shine in our stories. And these stories can capture the complexities of our lives. If enough of us use our voices to speak out about our unique family networks, flexible family trees will follow. Okay, I may have to pester some of these family tree websites just a bit. So here's a good example of one of the limitations my family's experienced. I'm a transgender male, and I was born assigned female at birth. I had a biological daughter before I transitioned. Just a year or so back, I gave my daughter, who's in her late 20s, a subscription to a genealogical site along with a DNA test. She got started doing her tree, but after a few days, she came to me and asked how I wanted to be represented in her tree. Knowing the limits of the website that she was on, I replied, I know the platform really doesn't leave you with many options, so rather than have her leave out her biological father in order to acknowledge me as a father, I told her to post me as her mother. Now, I would love to have my current masculine gender expression honored in her family tree, but I too have a history, one that is profoundly female. And I'm not ashamed of that. I have to tell the listener, though, at this point, that saying what I just said doesn't come easy for many trans folks. I'm privileged to be in a position where I can discuss the 40 years I presented as a female without much dissonance or pain. Not all people can say that, though. In the last episode, it was demonstrated that writing our own narrative can be powerful, especially when our story doesn't fit in with traditional norms and values. Within the structures of the family tree, we are faced with limits, sure. But take a big step back and consider the bigger picture. In the same way that I must consider the historical moment that my ancestors existed in, before I tell their stories in each episode, we also have to consider the current historical moment that we exist in right now. Unfortunately, it is one that is deeply averse to acknowledging gender and sex diversity. Ground zero, in my opinion, for that adversity is genealogical work that traditionally relies on birth records that are gendered in a binary way, marriage documents that are heteronormative, traditionally, and now DNA that runs on the presumption of being male or female, even though it's much more complicated than that. Gender is currently a common feature found on most government identification. And you don't have to go too far back in history to find government records and ID that used race. If that were to happen now, people would be shocked. It would be unacceptable. I think gender markers on identification is headed for a similar fate. 
There is beginning to be more flexibility for how we report our gender and sex on government identification. There is also a considerable amount of tracking when you want to change your gender along with your name as part of a gender transition. As these documents accumulate and make their way into the archives, they will be evidence used by genealogists in the future. I know this because I have legal and government documents produced during my gender transition. These government documents did not even exist two decades ago. The paper trail that my life has left will reflect a time period where there was a changing understanding of gender and even identity. And while some folks might protest at the very notion of a paper trail that leaves evidence of a gender transition, as an armchair historian, I have to say, I think if there are people willing to tell this story, it needs to be told. And if the thought of a paper trail about gender transition horrifies you, remember what I said last episode. Get in front of any attempt to put you into a family tree and tell your own story the way you want it told. Don't just leave that story to documents. Tell your story your own way, any way you can. Oh, hey, before you leave, I want to introduce myself. I am the author of my own story. That story includes being a visible woman for 40 years to a visible man who is big, hairy, bearded, and balding. But at 52 years old, I'm more comfortable in my skin than I ever have been in my life. The comfort I experience has been hard won though. Access to healthcare has had its challenges. I've had to garner the support of my provincial ombudsman to challenge policies of the Ministry of Transportation to change my driver's license, but I was successful. I've also had to use the service of my provincial ombudsman to confront pricing at hair salons that was discriminatory to transgender people. But I won that too. Regardless of my XY chromosomes, I have a luscious full beard and a bald head. I socially and legally transitioned more than 10 years ago. My medical transition is ongoing. COVID-19 has delayed my very last surgery, so I'm struggling to complete the medical part of my transition. It has been a long haul, and as I wait for my spot on the surgery waitlist to come up, getting back to genealogy has been my saving grace. I want future generations to know that I've dedicated most of my life to being a great parent, partner, and teacher who restores the land with mindful conscious living and gardening. Telling my story and the story of my family within the backdrop of colonial settlement is part of the legacy I want to leave. It's not only healing to me, but hopefully contributes to intergenerational healing. And if you're still here listening to me at this point, you're my people. Thanks for your support. Thank you for listening to the sixth episode of the Maple Family Treehouse. Your feedback is most welcome. I also want to know how your family research is going. You can let me know with an audio message at anchor.fm or at my Facebook page for the Maple Family Treehouse. I look forward to hearing from you. Cheers.